0: This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by IATA Training. More than 1 million students have boosted their aviation careers with them. Visit www.iata.org slash training to discover how they can help your aviation career. That's IATA.org slash training. This week's airline weekly cover story is about Aero Mexico and how its comeback seems to have been delayed and remains unfinished. Aero Mexico is clearly frustrated, but as we mentioned in the cover story, there's a lot to look forward to. But what about the other Mexican carriers? I'm talking about Interjet, Volaris, and Viva Aerobus. In the first quarter of 2017, they all lost money. In the second quarter, only Viva Aerobus had a reasonable operating profit margin at just less than 9%. Interjet was at 3%, and Volaris was less than 1%. Yeah, not the kind of numbers you want after that awful first quarter. So we'll start the show talking about what's wrong with the others. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly, and joining me is the sociable Seth Kaplan, (laughs) Managing Partner of Airline Weekly.
1: Sociable? You're out of adjectives, aren't you?
0: Well, this is episode 82. Besides (laughs) Mexico, we're going to talk about American Airlines' Media Day, Frontier's phenomenal success, what's going wrong in Thailand, and what's going right in the Gulf region. It's all coming up in the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. You might have noticed by the margaritas sitting in front of us, we're starting the show in Mexico where it's been, shall we say, less than a fiesta lately for the airlines there. As I mentioned in the opening, nobody's had a good quarter yet in 2017, except for Viva Aerobus, who eked out an operating margin in the high single digits in the second quarter. For some perspective, let's look at the full year numbers for 2016. They are as follows. Interjet posted a 3.4% operating margin in 2016. Viva Aerobus came in at 11%, and Volaris came in at almost 12%. And Aeromexico posted a 6% margin. My first question, Seth, are numbers like those still within reach for 2017?
1: I caught me in the middle of licking the margarita salt from my lips there, Jason. Uh, yeah,
0: you know... Um,
1: the short answer is probably not. Uh, you know, I ran the numbers earlier just, just to see is sort of how much the decline was for the uh, first half of of, uh, of 2017 compared to 2016. And Viva Aerobus, I mean, look, you're, you're talking about an airline who, whose who's margin, again, collectively for those two quarters declined like 18%. Uh, you, I'd, ha- I'd have to do some more analysis to confirm this, but I'm almost certain that's the biggest decline of any airline in the world uh, for for that period, even if they have a a, a you know respectable second half of the year, uh, you know the, the, the it would be just as unusual to you know to, to be able to improve by that much. You know, they'd have to make that up by a a second half that was eighteen points better than the second half of last year. Hard to expect that, you know, uh, uh, for Viva Aerobus and and Interjet, by the way, the decline's not that big, but also in the high single digits. Aeromexico, uh, now it's my turn to say for perspective, Aeromexico actually uh, less than a 4% decline uh, for that period. So, you know, that's something for sure you can imagine uh, if things keep turning around as they have been. Uh, in in Mexico in the in the second half, uh, perhaps Aeromexico uh, can, can match that as you said a six percent margin for all of last year. Uh, for the others, I would say uh, you know, for Velar is nearly impossible. And and for Viva and Interjet, it would be tough.
0: Is there something specifically wrong with Volaris? They've been Mexico's high flyer in recent years, and in Q two, they posted the worst results. They did.
1: Um, you know, it's 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 a combination of things. I mean, look, um, there's there's a lot that was at least going wrong in in, in Mexico. So you had the election of, of of President Trump. It's still still weird to me to say uh to say weird that, that's, or hard to say. You know, you see, yeah, President Trump. You know, following that, you had the uh, the, the peso devaluation, uh, you know, the value of the lo- local currency uh, declined significantly. Uh, then all the fears about, you know, was there going to be a border wall and all that. And, uh, you know, related to the peso situation, just less spending power for Mexican consumers uh, in terms of especially of, of, of traveling to the U.S. And, uh, you know, low fares and skyrocketing costs. Uh, You know, Valaris's costs rose a 25% Year over year, which greatly outpaced its revenue growth and its uh, its capacity growth, um, you know, and that's that's largely, although not entirely, related to the weaker peso. Uh, the way Jason works in the airline industry is, you know, airlines everywhere a significant percentage of their costs are dom- are denominated in U.S. dollars. Uh, I'm talking especially about fuel costs, almost always priced in dollars aircraft ownership costs uh so you know if you're a mexican carrier and the peso drops uh, all of a sudden your fuel looks a lot more expensive to you uh the cost of your aircraft uh, uh, looks a lot more expensive to you so everybody suffered that um but to varying degrees you know if you're aero mexico you're at least a global airline you're collecting a lot of revenue um in uh, in stronger currencies, uh, you know, especially in, in in U.S. dollars, uh, Valaris has a lot of U.S. business. But a lot of that business is you know people f- buying their tickets in Mexico, family visit traffic. Uh, you know that that's that's uh, pretty unhelpful. Interjet, for better or worse, and it's often been worse, uh, just doesn't have as much transborder or exposure. Or much more of a domestic airline uh, that carries risks at other moments in history, but early this year not not necessarily a uh a uh, bad thing so uh uh yeah all the same stuff uh for as the others they just um uh maybe had some of the worst exposure also worth noting i mean look as you said they were the high flyers. so part of it just is that they were doing uh exceptionally well and they just kind of had farther to fall I, I mean you know if 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 uh if Interjet had declined by as much as, as as Volaris, they'd be in a lot of trouble.
0: Um, so 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 that too, they kind of uh just came back. And different. Viva Aerobus, the airline that's probably most like Volaris of the four, uh, yeah. they posted much better results than Volaris. Is Viva doing something differently? Well, one big change there is that their fleet suddenly looks a lot different. Um,
1: you know they they were flying seven thirty seven three hundreds um so yeah so not even you know what are still called current generation aircraft and now you know those those current generation aircraft are now not the newest ones but you know not not 737-700s let's say but uh but 300s which are the you know 737 classics as they're called the old generation so you're talking this is an airline that was depending basically on those up until not uh, not long ago and now they i mean they have they've skipped two generations they have a320 neos uh, the newly-engined A320s, as well as the A320 CEOs, the, the the stands for current engine option uh, in the fleet. So, um, you know, so so there's there's that uh, that they've they've just uh, modernized their their fleet a lot. Um, in addition to just sort of executing the ultra low cost model, uh, the very well. This is an airline whose roots were you know the, the, backed by the Ryan family, uh, the, of Ryanair fame. Um, and, you know, so uh, they've done a good job working with their um. Viva Aerobus is, is tied to uh, to a bus company in Mexico, and they say they've done a good job of you know bus to air connections and and uh, and um and that sort of thing. And um, look, their load factors are ninety percent. That doesn't guarantee anything, but you know, in terms of the ultra low cost model, very full planes, and then ancillaries forty four percent of revenues, which in Mexico is a real achievement. Uh, because up until recently, a lot of it's been restricted. You know, you couldn't charge what you wanted for bags and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, they're they're uh, they're executing well. Uh, and you're right. Um, uh, you know, typically Valaris has, if anything, been at at, at the uh, top of the industry. Now Viva. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're uh, they're executing well. Uh, and you're right. Um, uh, you know, typically Valaris has, if anything, been at at, at the uh, top of the industry. Now Viva, uh, the much smaller of the two ULCCs, I, I should note. Um, with with the with the better margins at least so far this year,
0: and there's Interjet, who was last year just got left in the dust by its peers. They posted at least a profitable second quarter. Are they making any positive strides or is it just a matter of being the least lousy?
1: Well, they have to feel good about that, right? Um uh, you know, th- th- considering that they had significantly lagged uh, their peers really for uh, for a while here. Um, I, I don't know that that's sustainable, you know, in terms of them doing uh, them besting, uh, you know, Valaris. But, um, but but give them credit. I mean, look, I think a lot of it is is, is the exposure, like I said, sort of that domestic Mexico exposure. If they were you're, if you were able to mostly stay away from the uh, the transborder stuff, that that was helpful uh, at times, especially the first quarter. You so much uncertainty. Uh, just the currency swings and everything. Um, you know, the same impact on their costs. Yes, from the uh, the currency issues, but um, but again, just not not the same sort of trans border issues. They just don't have as much of that. And they have some opportunities. I mean, look, they're they're well positioned as sort of the only eh, full service airline that isn't Aeromexico you know nearly half owned by Delta. Um uh you know they're they're well positioned to do some of the things that airlines like JetBlue and Alaska have done, things that you know EasyJet is now doing in Europe in terms of being that that uh um the kind of short haul connector of last resort for other airlines who kind of have to pay up if they want the uh, the feed because you know cuz cuz the legacy airlines taken. Uh so they might be able to do a lot with that. American uh just last week expressed uh, enthusiasm about working with uh uh, with Interjet. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot to like about them. Uh, although it still is an airline with, with, I would say the tougher business model, you know, the lower density and the, the less of a focus on ancillaries and all that. And I think if they want to improve their profits further, um, you know, they're probably going to have to think some more about, about those, uh, those things that Valaris and, and uh, Viva do uh, that they don't, which, uh, you know, uh, to be clear, it might not be pro- all popular with customers, but, uh, but are profitable for airlines.
0: Let's talk about growth. Uh, Viva and Interjet were the world's fifth and sixth fastest growing airlines in the Q in the second quarter year over year. And Valaris was no slouch. They grew ASMs by 17% in the second quarter. I think I asked this question last year, but I'm going to ask it again because well, it's a year later and things change. But, but is all this growth sustainable? Yeah,
1: really remarkable. I, I took a look here when you said uh when you said uh uh Volaris at 17% wasn't among the top growers. You said, "Well, what did the other two have?" And yes, yeah, so Aviva 28%. at 27% um uh ASK capacity growth. Um look, well, I mean, the short answer is no uh you know they 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 rather clearly i mean looking back now they rather clearly should not have grown that quickly that that was a big part of the problem was that they uh was that supply grew much faster than demand Uh, in retrospect we know this um you know very clearly you know mexico with all its issues just just uh you know the demand was under pressure and here you had these airlines uh growing wildly um and 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 in fact yeah growth outpacing uh demand growth uh they should have grown more slowly uh that would have put unit it would put some pressure on their unit costs but that's okay you know because really they they they, they had Uh, giant revenue problems um so yeah so that so that's easy to say now you can look back and say that they should not have done that you know going forward i mean mexico is still uh it's it's still a good story probably for the long term uh you've got a country with a giant population a big country where you know air transport links are are important uh for for connecting different cities they're not you know places that are close together or well connected by rail or anything like that um where uh becoming wealthier you know uh a country with all the exposure to the u.s economy which is generally a good thing um you, you know if, if 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 less so at the at the moment with all the uncertainty um so uh you know it, it, it's it's um uh over the long term you know to one degree or another these airlines can probably justify um a, a, a significant amount of capacity growth uh just 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 not certainly not the first half of this year, and uh, uh, and and yeah, there's probably going to be some ongoing um, pressure here just from considering what they faced, and it's just uh, pretty hard for an airline to get its hands around uh, capacity growth uh, that quickly, especially when you have new aircraft streaming in as as, as as these airlines all do.
0: We haven't talked much about Aeromexico because I well I don't reiterate the cover story, which uh, covered it quite well. But overall, how bullish are you on Aeromexico's prospects?
1: You've got to be optimistic in, in general about this about this airline. And and I mean very quickly the point in the cover story was for anybody who didn't read it was um uh that, you know, it's a turnaround story, um uh but it's um but an underwhelming one, right? Uh you know, it's an it's an airline that's perfectly sustainable, is doing well, but uh, you know, after its chief competitor, Nemesis, uh, Mexicana uh disappeared in Oh, I guess two thousand nine or so. Um, you know, you would think uh, that that would just do absolute wonders for Aeromexico. It was helpful. You know, maybe they've been maybe a little disappointing in terms of of, of uh, you know relative to what to what you would have expected. You know, uh, it, it's they are the only legacy airline, only you know sort of comprehensive global airline uh in a uh in in a country of a whole lot of people as i said the growth the rest of it um yeah i mean look they're they're uh 49 owned by delta which uh has has generally been a good thing to be for airlines like virgin atlantic you know Mexico, in its own right is is a is a a well-managed airline uh and and now you have uh have delta uh deeply involved there i mean delta ceo at bastion was at aero mexico's investor day last week um so uh you know it's a joint venture between two airlines that can do a lot with each other um you know for no other reason than the geographical proximity and and the uh the economic links so yeah it, it, it's it's uh um yeah they have to deal with all that capacity growth that, that we talked about before that's you know, they, they compete against all that that's uh, in their marketplace and these airlines aren't going to let up anytime soon. Um, so that's uh, that's an issue that's 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 going to linger here. But uh, o- over the long term, um, it's 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 an airline that is uh, that that is seems to be rather well positioned.
0: Moving north of the border, American Airlines held its annual media day last week and resulted in a ton of information in this week's weekly. Regarding Americans' cabins, we wrote how their current generation 737-800s will soon have 172 seats, just like the Boeing 737 MAX 8s that American is getting. And those 172 seats will come, quote, without resorting to a 29-inch pitch something american floated but retracted after a media firestorm unquote at the media event american had some portions of aircraft interiors of both the max 8 and the current 737 800s they had them there in order to show that reductions in pitch don't always correlate with reductions in legroom the max has less pitch i.e. the distance between the front of one seat and the front of the seat behind it but we wrote in airline weekly because of thinner seat backs the max seemed to have about as much legroom now, Seth, I know you were the only person from our shop at America's Media Day. I'm guessing that was you who sat in those seats. Yeah, good guess. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, and, and I, I thought that was creative of them to do that because
1: it's true. You know, th- there is this. I think miscon—well let me say first say it, look it's it's true airlines have reduced uh legroom in a lot of cases over the years i mean there's you, know, you fly a lot of airlines you're gonna have less legroom now uh than than you would have um in in past decades uh that's true but there is this misconception in some mainstream media uh stories i mean some reporters understand this but but but, but some don't you know those especially just you know, maybe covered the industry more occasionally, and uh, and among politicians who have talked about trying to regulate seat pitch, the misconception is that. Uh, that seat pitch um, uh, correlates uh, directly with legroom. I, I guess the more precise way to say it is, you know, that a reduction in seat pitch correlates um, directly with a reduction in legroom. Uh, so that if an airline goes from 31-inch pitch to 30-inch pitch, that that is a reduction of of uh, one inch of, of legroom. And, and that's that's not the case at all uh, because, you know, seat backs are thinner. Basically, the cushion isn't... Is, you know, isn't as deep as as it used to be. What American was doing, you know, when they they first, as, as you mentioned, Jason, they first talked about having going to go into a 29-inch pitch in a few rows on their new uh, Max 8s, and then, you know, they finally said they weren't going to do that. But anyway, you know, there, there was a lot of coverage of of this rather dense, you know, 172 seats uh, on a, a 738 that has first-class seats. You know, so they have lots of like, well, that's a, that's a lot of seats. But yeah, they, they sort of did, brought these, kind of cutouts of a few rows of a cabin there so that you could just sit there and see what it feels like in the current 738 again those will be reconfigured but the current 737-800 um which has the 160 seats and then the the 737 max eight with 172 seats and uh, yeah and and I, I sat in it and I um yeah I'm the one who <laughs> supplied that information um uh yeah I I it 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 seemed like there was just as much leg room if not Maybe marginally more uh, on the um, Max Eight, um, And so I thought that was clever of them to do that at least, just so so, um, so you know, so, so people understand um, the uh, uh, the distinction there. Which is not to say that there's you know extraordinarily generous legroom. Obviously, there's not, um, but it's it's not the, the reduction in pitch is not necessarily a reduction in legroom, and in this case, um, it, it, it it doesn't seem to be compared to the current aircraft.
0: All right, now it's time for a pitch of a different kind. I want to thank our sponsor, I a training. Did you know that 36 million new aviation-related jobs will be needed in the next two decades? Offering over 350 aviation-related courses, IATA can help you take advantage of this huge opportunity and boost your career. And even better, if you register more than three months in advance, you can save 20% on course fees. Terms and conditions apply. Visit iata.org training for details and start shaping your career in aviation. That's iata.org training for the next part of the show let's turn to the global earnings scoreboard for the second quarter 2017 you can be getting excited can't you on this list which appeared in our october 2nd issue we rank the world's top airlines by revenue net profit net margin operating margin and asm growth or ask growth depending on your persuasion i've said before it's a sight to behold
1: Mm, yeah like mount rushmore or something right
0: right it's uh that's the eighth wonder of the world the (laughs) the uh, global earnings scoreboard score sheet what do we call it (laughs) whatever and anyway, uh, the, the first interesting thing I see on this quarter's edition is that American Airlines was number one in revenue for the second quarter, while Delta was number two. And then you move over to the net profit column, and they switch places. That's not so surprising, but the gap is surprisingly big. Delta's net profit was more than a quarter billion dollars more than American. And they did it on slightly less revenue. I know you could write a book on this, Seth, but can you give us your best reason for this in just a few hundred words?
1: I did write a book on that with, with uh, Jay Shabbat. Can I, can I, can I do a sh- shameless book plug, Jason?
0: Uh, aren't they all shameless? But yes, you can.
1: <laughs> it's Glory Lost and Found, how Delta Climb from Despair to Dominance in the 9-11, what's a post 9-11 era. Uh, if you, if you, I think if you go on Amazon, you just search Delta book. It'll be like the first thing or two that, uh, that comes up this is this is kind of how it's been um american for a little while seemed to sort of be nipping at at delta's heels um closing the gap but um no delta is the 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 clearly more profitable airline over over the past several years here um and it's it's uh i mean look there there are a number of reasons why uh, I, Part of it is what American will, will always say is look, Delta just they, they they did everything first, right? They got through bankruptcy first. They did their merger first. They've been you know integrated as one airline, um, for longer. Whereas American it still isn't entirely put together. Given, given credit by the way, I mean they did a really good job uh, with their merger, but there are still things that aren't. Um, uh, completely harmonized, you know, not all the airplanes are completely where they would like them to be, um, uh, and so forth related to sort of pre-merger, just the way things were, you know, this is this is a legacy U.S. Air, Airways aircraft or, or what have you, um, but yeah, no, uh, uh, having said that, American uh, did take a big increase in costs, um, partly related to you know they unilaterally. Gave some pretty big pay raises to a lot of rank and file employees. Um, they sort of recognizing that look, the market wages were rising. You know, instead of waiting for employees to start complaining, they sort of say, "Hey, we we let's we want to do this for you." Uh, it costs a lot of money, but you know, part of it just is that Delta does take revenue premiums over its competitors. Uh, um, you know, all things being equal. I mean, so if there's a flight flying from you know from chicago to atlanta or from atlanta to dallas fort worth you know picking markets here where they would fly head to head nonstop. you know uh, all things being equal people will pay delta you know a couple bucks more than they'll pay american uh related presumably to american uh, to delta's generally you know better reliability and uh you know nicer and products and people say all those sorts of things but for whatever reason it is um you know they do take that revenue premium Delta, um, it, when you have similar costs, uh, as, as these airlines generally all do at this point, uh, you know your costs are similar, and one is taking your revenue premium over, over the other, um, that's probably going to flow to the bottom line as as uh, higher profits. And that's um, that's exactly what happened. Incidentally, last week at, at, at Media Day, I noticed one thing, I mean, kind of a subtle thing. But um, American used to talk more uh, about the revenue gap. Um, against the competition. Uh, I mean, primarily Delta. That's where that's that's where the big revenue gap is for them uh, versus Delta. And um, and, and and last week they uh they 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 I noticed they weren't doing that. They uh they said you know we're not comparing ourselves to the competition. We're running our own race is what they said. You know, basically you we know, we just have to keep improving. And if we control what we can, we will be better. And I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if that was sort of if if they just sort of uh, decided that they. The, the, that they're not going to close the gap with Delta, so, so stop talking about it or what? Um, but uh, but anyway, that's that's sort of the uh, the position they're taking now. Uh, yeah, look to be clear, American is one of the most profitable airlines in the world. Uh, you know, most other certainly legacy airlines around the world uh, would would gladly uh, trade places with American. Um, but uh, um, but the idea, a few years, yeah, you know, sometimes the past couple of years where we said eh, maybe, maybe they can close the gap with Delta. Uh, look, maybe they can, but um, but right now there's still a a meaningful gap uh, between the two. Delta, as you said, on um, less revenue manages uh, to be many quarters the, the the more profitable airline.
0: We're running our own race. Come on. You know, my boy plays hockey, and at the end of each practice, they do sprints, you know, out to the blue line and back to, to wear out the kids. And I said, Sebastian, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, why didn't you finish first or second? You know? And he said, well, Dad, it's not a race. And I said, Sebastian, it's always a race. <laughs>
1: Talk to American.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, uh, moving over to the operating margin column on our scoreboard. Eight of the ten, uh, eight of the top ten were U.S. carriers, and we've talked about this for a few years now, the U.S. dominance, but it's still pretty amazing. I thought I'd point that out. Uh, number one was not a U.S. carrier. It was Ryanair. Number two was Alaska. Number three was Cebu Pacific. We've talked about and they've been at the top of the list before. All oh, that makes sense, but it was number four that surprised me. It was a U.S. carrier, but it wasn't Allegiant, Spirit, JetBlue, or Southwest. It was Frontier with a 22% margin. Seth, it sounds like they had a great quarter.
1: Yeah, and 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 uh, just kind of one caveat here. You know, they are not a a, um, a publicly traded airline, and so um, we get those figures for them from you know they, they do have to. One nice thing about analyzing airlines is even if they don't trade, they do have to file certain financials in the U.S. anyway with 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 uh, with regulators, uh, and those numbers kind of trickle out. Anyway, you can't. You can't do the same kind of analysis from there. There's just less data. Um, so it, it, so you don't know exactly if there's, uh, you know, some of the things with other airlines where you say, oh, that's a, that's a special item or what have you. You can't always do it with Frontier. But, you know, having said that, you know, generally with the operating results, it's mostly in there. Um, no, I mean, they, they they clearly did very well. Um, you know, it's surprising maybe in the context of, how, of, of where they were just a few years ago. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned Allegiant, Spirit, you know, um, we're always high on the list. Here's another ultra low cost carrier. It's a model that's that's uh, successful everywhere in the world where it's practiced. So, um, in that context, maybe uh, maybe not so. Uh, So surprising. Now, I mean, look, they seem to be coming under some pressure, uh, the same kinds of pressure spirit is is feeling. Um, They are clearly in United's crosshairs. They have a big hub in Denver, um, just like United. United is going after these ULCCs uh, with the basic economy pricing and all the rest of it. uh, and, and they Frontier uh, seems to have delayed their IPO, uh, and they're, they've just been making all kinds of network changes. ULCCs do that; they go into and out of markets. Um, yeah, you know, they don't have patience for for losing money in markets, but you know they've been making a lot of changes. So it it, it sort of seems like you know the life is not easy for them. Um, but uh, but no, you're right. Uh, they're they're uh, they they are up there, and it's uh, quite a story for an airline that. Um, uh, well, it was bankrupt not too many years ago and then just sort of had uh, the, the very underwhelming uh, profits for a while. So uh, let, let's see if they could sort of get their hands around the, the, these difficulties uh, with the competitive environment and uh, and then, who knows, perhaps they'll uh, take themselves to market and or uh, merge with Spirit, which I think which a lot of people sort of think is, is how this movie ends, You know, whether it happens before uh, a public offering or more likely... Uh, after one, yeah, after to become a, uh, a public company. But yeah, impressive for sure.
0: Okay, moving over to the net margin column. First was Ryanair, followed by Cebu. But number three and number four were particularly curious. Uh, they were Air Arabia and Jazeera. The big three golf carriers aren't faring all that well right now, but these guys appear to be. Was that a surprise to you? Yeah,
1: interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, look, there, I mean, there are several things going on here. One, one thing is, Jason, that uh, low-cost carriers in, in, in regions with, uh, with economic issues often do rather well, uh, because of, of a phenomenon called trading down. Uh, and that's where people who hadn't previously thought about flying these airlines suddenly say, eh, you know what, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that is something, uh, I have to do. Uh, now they there's sort of, Counting their money more uh, uh, more carefully. Uh, if you think back to the global financial crisis, um, which is very painful for a lot of legacy airlines around the world, you know, Ryanair did just fine. Um, uh, you know, in the U.S., Airtran at the time had a really good 2009. I remember, whereas Delta kind of kind of struggled. Um, so you know, if you're a cost focused airline and you don't depend on really high fares. Um, sometimes that can be okay there are some other things going on here you know, the, 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 these are airlines that have auxiliary businesses that they're in um, uh, you know where it's not it's not as if all their revenue comes from flying airplanes so you know there's 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 that too but uh, you know so, so so you put it all together and yeah uh, it's impressive um, and uh, it, it's you know again it's they're low-cost carriers I mean the starting point is that that's kind of the more uh, uh, sustainable model and that look there are Legacy airlines and very comprehensive, full-service airlines that do well. Um, but over the years, you know, the ones that kind of are disproportionately represented there um, tend to be low-cost carriers. They tend to be something else, by the way, Jason. That um, we noted in the issue. I mean, you mentioned sort of you know, the geography. You know, right now, they tend to be U.S. carriers, uh, or yeah, they tend to be LCCs or ULCCs. Um, you know, another thing to observe is is you know, then when you look at those other airlines that are not. You know, that are rather comprehensive, an airline like Alaska, uh, as, as you mentioned. Uh, look, Copa Airlines, right now, they're not at the very top because of all the South American issues, but they're climbing their way back. And a lot of times over the years, they've been the right near at the top. And you said, well, they're not a low-cost carrier. And uh, what's interesting about it, first of all, they actually have a rather competitive cost structure. Um, but beyond that, uh, almost all the airlines um, are narrow body carriers almost exclusively uh you know for those that 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 aren't you know hawaiian yeah has, has a handful of uh, of wide bodies i'm um, just looking here at operating margin at that same list you're looking at jason um the only airlines on there that have any that have wide bodies it looks like delta's number 10 you know obviously they have plenty uh hawaiian is a few and and uh Sabu, uh pacific uh as you mentioned you know they they uh they have a handful that tried tried doing the low cost long haul thing it hasn't really uh, worked out and if you look at it by net margin kind of the uh well even more true there uh i don't think they're by net margin is there a single airline here ryan or Air, Sabu, arabia jazeera alaska indigo frontier southwest hawaiian yeah so hawaiian that's it was Air, a You yeah, know, these are all. Um, so, so, and that's kind of interesting. Just, just an observation um, that we've made a lot of times over the years. That uh, that uh, um, you know, wide body flying is is trickier. Obviously, th- of course, you know, the world needs uh, you know, uh, long haul wide body aircraft, twin aisle aircraft. Um, you know. To, to simplify, but I don't think oversimplify, uh, it's it's tougher. Um, these narrow-body, just all-narrow-body operators of 737s, Airbus 320s, disproportionately anyway, um, are are among the most profitable airlines in the world. And if you at the bottom of the list, not entirely, but, but, but uh, to a large extent
0: the opposite. Speaking of the bottom of the list, let's talk about some of the laggards on the scoreboard. One European carrier is in the bottom five with a negative 1% operating margin. And it's the only European carrier in the bottom 15 airlines. That's Norwegian. I know we've had our share of criticisms of Norwegian over the years, and I don't mean to pile on, but it's a pretty good time to be a European carrier right now. And if you're losing money in Q2, well, Seth, what does that mean?
1: yeah, I think you just... Uh, Answered your own question, Jason. Um, it's tough. Uh, by the way, you know, Air Berlin still sort of in existence would would be lower uh, almost certainly than than Norwegian if they were still there. They because they're in bankruptcy, they stopped reporting their financials. Uh, you know, they were worse off. Alitalia, yeah, if it was yeah, if it was reporting financials, would would almost certainly be uh, be even worse. So, um, so Norwegian, you know, just in fairness to them, they're the the, the worst off of, of the airlines that that aren't so bad that aren't so bad off that they're not even reporting anymore, but no, but, but, but you're right. Um, you know, that should be their second best quarter of the year. A- and the, 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 um, the trajectory is really bad. I mean, that negative 1% compares with 8% uh, for the same quarter last year, which, you know, and even that wasn't setting the world on fire. I mean, they, for all of, of, of 2016, they ended up with, uh, what was it? Let me see. Uh, See, I shouldn't try to do this live, but um, let's see. For all of 2016, uh, yeah, they ended up with less than a five percent margin, um, which is you know was just toward the bottom, certainly of the uh, the European airline industry. And, and so now you're talking about they 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 lost nine points of margin um, in the second quarter. You know, the first quarter was awful. Um, you know, um, that's it, 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 it's bleak. I mean, they have to get their hands around this. Um, it's uh the, the the third quarter uh i mean they have to you know if you're a european airline you have to make a lot of money in the third quarter so let's see the third quarter of course began here just a few days ago um so if they don't do really well in the third quarter i'm not sure when they're supposed to make money and you mentioned it, jason you know it's not as if you know well what are you supposed to do right now you I know mean, this is you know europe european airlines are doing well and it's not just ryanair i, I mean sas you know in, in norwegian's neighborhood you know the the Old legacy airline, um, their second quarter, it's a little bit of a different, it's a weird calendar. It's it's uh, for them, It's, uh, uh, what's it, May, June, and July, um, rather than April, May, June. But you know, having said that, uh, SAS a 16% operating margin, uh, for, for that uh, uh, for that period. So it's not just oh, Scandinavia, no, actually, the capacity trends in Scandinavia are pretty benign. Um, you know, not, not, a not a ton of new competitor capacity or anything there. So I don't know. I mean, it's just the more why, you know, there's, they're doing more and more, uh, of the long haul flying, the low cost long haul flying. Um, uh, but it, it kind of seems like the more they do, the less money they make. Um, uh, you know, they, they're going to have to figure something out here because, um, they are on a, a path right now where they could, um, uh, you know if, this, if they don't turn things around here in the, in the third and fourth quarter where they could they could lose significant money this year, I mentioned as I said less than a five percent margin for all of last year and <laughs> when you're declining by uh you know by by nine percent in a quarter, you know it doesn't take much to realize that uh it's it's uh pretty precarious for them
0: and another story among the laggards is the predominance of tie carriers no Air, Bangkok Air, and Thai Airways were all in the bottom five.
1: That's amazing. Um, for yeah, the, the, the five lowest airlines in the world for three of them to be from uh, from from one country like that. Uh, so you know, it's so one thing that tells you it's it's not something that these airlines are all you know, they're all in full control of, right? Um, although they're certainly control of the fact that, that, you know, there's a lot of capacity growth there. I mean, not just from them, from, you know, from 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 outside also. So and that, that's largely what has been, a, a capacity story. Really remarkable, Jason, when when to stop and think that um, as of several years ago, I don't know, a half decade or so ago, Thai airways, had been profitable in like I think it was 39 of the preceding 40 years. Uh, now, never wildly profitable, but it was an airline that never lost money. Um, and 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 it's not. I mean, was that because it was the best managed airline in the world? Eh. Yeah, a lot of it was just just that that was a that was a good neighborhood uh, to run an airline. You know, South, Southeast Asia. Um, a lot of a lot of markets in Southeast Asia. You have island geography um, where uh you know we're road and rail doesn't compete um so you you have to either take a boat or, or, or fly um generally low labor costs um so so these are airlines that usually did well if they were competing against uh you know northeast asian airlines yeah if you were flying from bangkok to tokyo and then you were a uh a thai carrier you had lower labor costs all that sort of thing and you know the, so on uh, there's a huge in the, in the case of thailand a huge uh tourism market uh and yeah it just a c- capacity spun um completely out of control no care you mentioned uh, you know, they just had a management shakeup. Their longtime CEO is is uh, is out there. Some it's, um, it's been rough for them for sure. Uh, now let's see here. You know, going forward, um, there there are reasons for optimism. You know, they've absorbed part part of, part of the issue. Not, not 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 most of the explanation, but you know, fuel taxes went up. I mean, a lot went wrong in 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 Thailand, but. You know, China has kind of turned on the spigot again of 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 packaged tourists. Um, uh, you know China does that. they turn it on and off. you know if they uh, want to you know punish South Korea and reward Japan geopolitically and so forth they they you know um, do it uh, through inbound tourism a lot. and so so the Chinese tourists are coming back to Thailand. that's good news. but uh, yeah no they've they've uh, they've all, Um, got a, uh, got a steep hole to uh, climb out of for sure.
0: All right. Last question of the day. Hainan Airlines grew 56% year over year in the second quarter. I know the Chinese carriers are growing, but that's a little extreme, wouldn't you say? Yes. That's it? (laughs) Well, all right. Thanks for keeping it short. Because... Unlike the growth of Chinese carriers, there is a limit to how long this show can go on, and we have surpassed it. Not to mention my margarita has run dry. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell. Thanks for spending some time with us in the Airline Weekly Lounge. This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge was sponsored by IATA Training. Visit org/training to discover more than 350 courses to help boost your career in aviation. That's IATA.org slash training.